0: Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, it is good to see you, sir. And it is always good to convene when Florida State has a uh, resounding win. And I think 41-3 to counts as resounding.
1: It counts as resounding, but Tommy, I'm still conflicted. I'm still conflicted.
0: Oh, we're going to do this kind of show? I was just going to do it. It's okay. It's fine. All right, go ahead.
1: Well, simply, um, it was a big win. Defense played well. Offense puts up over 500 yards. But it wasn't what this team can do. There's still a lot of improvement. I thought Travis was off on a few of his throws early on. Uh, I didn't sense the intensity that we have seen at times. Uh, Florida State just simply overwhelmed Syracuse. Um, I thought that the – the uh, you know, the, the the defense, you know, did the things they needed to do, but they didn't completely shut down Syracuse, uh, held them to remarkably small yardage and only the three points. But I just see so much more this team is capable of. I know that comes across as negative. Uh, I just don't know how to spin it positively.
0: Well, let's start with the defense here, Keith, because I'm going to take a little issue with, I mean, I thought this was the, the closest to a complete game the defense has played. They, they came up with two turnovers. They gave the ball to the offense at the five-yard line. Syracuse, there was never a point in that game where you thought Syracuse was going to make it a game. I mean, they, they couldn't do a thing in that ball
1: Oh uh, Well, I disagree with you because in the second quarter, we were sitting there at uh, 14-3, I believe, and Syracuse was moving the ball a little bit. Now, again, the defense rose up and shut them down. And yes, I know they forced nine punts. That's an awful lot of punts in a ballgame. But it just didn't seem like they were flying around the ball and doing all the things that I know and believe that they're capable of doing. Forgive me.
0: I don't know. I I didn't see it that way. I mean, it was – first of all, Syracuse is not a great football team, and I know they're missing some offensive guys. So I don't disagree with your thought that – Florida State won the game because they were going to win the game no matter what. But I mean, Syracuse had 12 first downs in the game. They averaged less than four yards per play with the ball. They threw for their starting quarterback, threw for 99 yards in three plus quarters. The receivers were really not a threat, save for maybe two balls that got completed to the 6 6 guy, where you're just throwing jump balls like Jordan does to his guys. I thought they, I thought. Shaheen, who who broke the rock, one of the guys who broke the rock, I thought he played very well. He led the team in tackles, had one and a half sacks, had a pass broken up. There were a lot of balls deflected at the line of scrimmage. They had three sacks as a team. I don't know. I can't find a lot of fault with what the defense did in that game, Keith. So do
1: I need to find the term conflicted to you? Or you I am very happy. I think they played well. I just think they've got a tremendous amount of upside still yet.
0: Well, I agree with that. To me, most of that would come on the offensive side of the ball, and we'll get there. But since we started here on defense, I don't know. Syracuse was 6 of 19 on third down conversions in the game. They didn't have the kind of sustained drives that we were fretting about last week when Virginia Tech had it for 16 plays. I mean, I'm not looking at the drive chart right now, though I can pull it up, as long as we're having this conversation. Let's see. Uh, Three and out. Then they got one first down on their second drive and punted. On their third drive, they were three and out. And then, okay, they had a 10-play drive that led to the field goal, so that's the one you're talking about. Then they had one play and a turnover. Then they had three plays and a punt. And then they had six plays for 20 yards when they were just running out the clock before before the first half there, I think. So, I mean, there, a one 10-play drive. Other than that, it was either three and out or one first down and punt.
1: Okay, let's move along.
0: <laughs> we, agree, we agree to disagree. What do you want to see more of from the defense? I, I thought on some of the plays when they moved out wide, I don't remember the point in the game, but I, I thought they had a lot of hats on the ball uh, so that guys couldn't squirt free. I mean, that they did a good job of, of getting bodies out there so they didn't squirt free.
1: Yes, they did. And they continued uh, for the second game in a row with uh, very nice open field tackling. I'm just talking about an overall sense of a defense saying to an offense, "You're not going to get anything from us. We're not going to give you an opportunity to even stay around. Um, we just haven't seen that yet." And if you want to, if you want to get into the playoffs, and if you want a legitimate chance at winning, uh, you know, and playing for and or winning a national championship, um, there's got to be a little more. Uh, of a um, we're we're not just here to stop you we're here to to uh, humiliate you
0: well I want to see that too and I guess where we disagree is I would put that on the offense both today and last week I mean two games I haven't said anything about the offense yet Tommy yeah yeah well I mean you're nitpicking on the defense so I agree. The defense gives you the ball at the five-yard line at 17-3. to three. Make it 24-3 to three and make Syracuse get on the bus at halftime. That didn't happen, and that's an issue. And then the ball back on a short field, still couldn't score. And so that's the, the part of the game. And, and to your point, and I'm not sure what my dog's barking at because I don't think we're getting UPS or FedEx at this time of night. It, to your point, it, it's a couple weeks in a row and really the really, really trend over the season. You've got a couple drives in there where you just kind of disappear when it's step on their throat time and Florida State wasn't able to do it into the second quarter or the first drive of the third where typically they're very good, but that wasn't the case today.
1: Well, and I'm also, I I need to mention and and our listeners that were there would know this, but uh, you had a a national, uh, an NFL uh, Hall of Fame inductee honored during the first half. Uh, There was at least one Hall of Famer in that 93 group that was celebrated during halftime. Uh, Corey Simon spent a lot of time walking around the field. He was a first-round draft pick member of the 99 national championship team. Uh, I want to have some of these guys like a Jared Verse, like a Kalen DeLoach, like a a Tatum Bethune. I want them to be able to come back in 30 years and be recognized like Brooks and Dunn and Ward and Butler, that's the greatness I want from them.
0: Well, I don't disagree. We all we all want to see that. and I, we, we see it in bits and pieces. I mean, if you want to talk about guys that resonate like that, how about Keon Coleman and the show he put on, Keith? I mean, that catch may be the single best catch I've seen in all the Florida State football games I've watched. To go up with one hand and somehow have that stick, that was unbelievable
1: well and particularly a one-handed catch over the middle normally you see those one-handed catches on you know back shoulder throws or 50-50 balls in the end zone and those types of things um and i agree that was a remarkable grab uh and and it just highlights what was a very remarkable day for him um and and obviously florida state offensively needed it with with uh with johnny not available uh johnny wilson not available uh keon certainly uh, did that Punt return included.
0: I'm I'm looking at the drive chart now, because let's get to the the crux of the issue here. Seven thirty-three in the second quarter after the verse fumble recovery, which I should really phrase as the Josh Farmer forced fumble, and he's playing tremendous football, by the way. He FSU is. has it first and five at the Syracuse five. Now this is hindsight, as we know, is all always twenty twenty, Keith. I wasn't a big fan of the way Coach Norvell called those four plays but you go back and run them again and do span doesn't string it out wide and makes a cut Trey Benson holds on to the football maybe it's a different result I haven't watched the tv copy back but that's where it felt like you could have really stepped on their throat and put them away
1: agreed and maybe that's fueling as much of my disappointment as anything Um, but again you know just the overall feel. I mean, you were down on the sidelines. I, I didn't sense the, the, where I was sitting, I didn't sense the intensity and the, the urgency that I would, I, that I know is going to be necessary on down the road. agree. It's Syracuse. Um, and, and they've, they've got some folks that are out from an offensive standpoint. Uh, and they, they run that interesting three, true three, three, five defense that uh, you can get blitzes from every direction. Um but again, I'm back to the to the term conflicted. It was a great win for Florida State. Okay. But there's so much more that's out there.
0: It's October 14th, as we're talking. And we're bowl eligible, baby. I mean, come on, we <laughs> we used to sweat that out for a couple of years there. We'd have to, hey, we'd I, have to win I, in Gainesville.
1: I even looked it up. This is the first time Florida State's been 6 and 0 since 2015. It's been 8 years and three yep. coaches.
0: Yep. So it has been a while. Yeah, I, I agree with your general sentiment, Keith. There's still there's still a lot out there. We we've, we've set the bar high. I'll tell you what though. I mean, Johnny Wilson, he had that one game where I think he was hurt and he dropped a couple balls or didn't make a couple of really tough catches. But since then, he's been really consistent. Obviously, he didn't play Keon Coleman. I mean, I don't know what you do if you're the opponent in terms of how you scheme him. Jaheim Bell, uh, tremendous. I think we saw, you know, Destin Hill has a couple more catches. He hasn't broken free yet. We saw Hakeem Williams. I mean, that guy can't even get on the field right now. And how good did he look on that one play on that little screen to the right side with that speed? So there, there's – I mean, tr- right, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say we, we- – we, we knock JT uh, to, to Philly because he's not as fast as we hoped he would be, but he put on some afterburners on that long touchdown run. I mean, I honestly thought, because I didn't see the number clear, I thought it was Benson. I mean, he was running with the same effectiveness as Trey, uh, and he's he's just not known to be the same speed that, that Benson is, but he sure looked like he made up some ground on that that particular run.
0: I think I feel like the last two weeks, and I realize the competition has changed, but you've seen a, a little bit more balance out of the offense in general. There's been more from the running game, yet you've s- still seen big plays. You had the two big runs by Benson last week. This week you had Toafili's run. You had the throw to Keon that was 58 yards. You had the Hakeem Williams. I mean, you had three 40-plus-yard scoring plays. But you are seeing a little bit more underneath. You're seeing some checkdowns. You see, you saw some slants today, which is one of the ways you effectively beat that three-three-five. So we're seeing more there, and we've seen some good throws from Jordan. But again, I think we all want every throw to be perfect, so we still nitpick that not every throw is perfect. He continues to play pretty good football, though. But I, but I agree, and I don't, I don't know what I, I do think. Okay, to your point, and Michael Alford has has tried this stat out twice now to me. I don't know his data source, but I trust it. When we were at Clemson. He said the the uh, visiting team is uh, uh, wins the the game at a fourteen percent higher rate if it's at twelve noon compared to an eight o'clock kick. So because the crowd's not into it as much, and it's true. Now Clemson had a great atmosphere, but you saw today the students didn't get there till we were into the first quarter. The crowd's a little sleepy. You're talking about energy. I didn't feel like there was great energy in the stands because people are well. We're going to cross Syracuse. We're better than them. And, and I'm, I mean the crowd's been great. I don't mean to diss the crowd. But uh, he said it again today. He pointed it out when I talked to him. And I said, well, I like that stat much better when we were at Clemson than when we're the home team playing the noon game. But I, I'm going a long way to say that I expect next week, and as we're talking, we don't know if it'll be a 730 or an 8 o'clock game against Duke. That's a night game at Doak Campbell. The weather will be perfect. There'll be a lot of hype about Duke, especially if they win tonight over NC State, especially if their quarterback's back in that scenario, there'll be a top 15, top 12 team. And I think we'll see the energy that you wanted to see today. And we'll see it for the full four quarters.
1: And, and I do agree with you. And and I had not heard
0: uh, that
1: stat about Saturday at noon. Uh, and this is not related to our talking about Florida State's team. But one thing that's real interesting that the networks have started doing, Tommy, We we have talked about this on our Wednesday show, is they are requesting matchup games at noon. they are forcing that noon time slot uh, because they've figured out if we can get people's eyeballs on the on the screens at noon, they'll stay there till ten or eleven o'clock the night and uh, And so we're starting to see that and have have for the last couple of years.
0: I know in Tallahassee local businesses, fans in general, they don't want to see the noon home games, but playing at noon this week. The alternative, if you played at night, is you're going head-to-head with USC and Notre Dame. And you're going to lose that ratings battle if you're ABC. So they wanted to choose FSU, get him to the early window. And by the way, in week – it was a week two. Whenever Florida State played BC, I've lost track. The season's running together. Week three, I guess that was. That was the highest-rated ACC game of the week, was FSU at Boston College at 12 noon. And last week, a 12 noon game, Virginia Tech at FSU – that was the second highest rated ACC game of the week between behind Notre Dame and Louisville which was a battle of two unbeaten teams uh, you know that had the primetime spotlight if you will so this this game against Syracuse will have done a big number again FSU is going to continue to draw big numbers but yeah your point is is right on back in the in the early 90s Keith in late 80s when I first got here 12 noon was the biggest game they weren't playing all these football games at night they FSU Miami was at noon every year
1: yep and one in particular down in Miami at noon when it was about 117 degrees, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I've tried to forget that game, but it might have been 127 degrees that day. But, yeah, you are correct. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I, I need to do something with my dog who's still going nuts. Why don't you take care of a little business? And I'll be back momentarily and we'll continue this conversation, KJ. Well, the
1: little business that Mr. Block wants me to take care of is we want to bring you the most interesting move of the day. Uh, brought to us by our friends at prime meridian Bank and i don't know that our listeners uh, that were not that're at the game and haven't had, have had a chance to look at it, but go back and watch on that fifty eight yard touchdown uh throw to Kean Coleman. He did the most remarkable in move and then moved back outside that i've seen in a long long time, and that's what resulted in him being so wide open and Travis uh, delivered a perfect strike, and uh, FSU uh, uh, completed that 58-yard touchdown pass uh, very easily. By the way, Keon finished the game with nine receptions for 140 yards. Uh, he had six punt returns for a total of 107 yards, including a 72-yard return that he almost almost got to the end zone in. Uh, it was just a great performance by him overall. And a very, very interesting move on that double move for the touchdown. Uh, our most interesting move is brought to us by Prime Meridian Bank. Our friends there, uh, they do such a great job uh, business checking, personal checking, home equity lines, home equity loans, business loans, you name it, they can do it. Two locations in Tallahassee, one down in Crawfordville and also in uh, Central Florida and Lakeland. Um, give them a shout www.trymybank.com, Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
0: So I asked Keon about that play in the post game. He was the other player that broke the rock, by the way. Two players broke the rock, he and Shaheen Brown. I said, was, was that just a, a sluggo, a slant and go? He said, well, it was supposed to be. But but I, this is what he said. He said, I felt like if I went too far on the slant, we were going to get tied up and I was going to bump into him. And so I just gave him a little move and then left and boom. So I don't know how Ron Dugans will grade it, but based on the result and the ex- the rest of the execution, Keith, I don't think you can argue with it too much.
1: If our of fi- our listeners have an opportunity to go back and look at that, you're going to see one of the most outstanding moves that you've seen in Dope Campbell in a while that resulted in him being that wide open it was it was just fantastic
0: he was fantastic Keith have you ever seen a punt returner that catches the ball over his head
1: (laughs) no it's
0: a game he just I mean I say over his head he has his hands at face mask level and he just catches the ball like an underhand toss from your six-year-old right I mean and it looks completely comfortable. Most of us, you would, you would never teach somebody to catch it that way. It looks like second nature to him.
1: Well, I will just mention to our listeners that uh, some 40-plus years ago, my sophomore year, we've talked about it, I was the primary punt return uh, guy. Uh, my total punt returns for the year were about 80 or 90 yards. Okay. He had six returns for 107 yards in one game. So I don't think I really have anything to add anymore to what he does.
0: <laughs> um, what, what do you want – going back to the offense, Keith, and again, I you know, the, the fear to score in the red zone, they were perfect in the red zone this year. And if they kick the field goal on fourth down, they're still perfect. Uh, so I can't really nitpick that much. I mean, I think a little bit better execution, any of those plays, probably could have scored. Uh, and that's what they'll go back to the drawing board on. They had a fourth down, they didn't convert when they went to Wildcat, and and you know, on the one hand, I don't want to see Wildcat. On the other hand, it's now out there on tape just to make other teams spend some time figuring out what are we going to do if Jaheim Bell is in the Wildcat and Travis is out here, right? So, do you do? It's, it's probably not the play call you make if you're in the college football playoffs against Georgia and it's seventeen all and it's fourth and one with ten minutes to go in the game, you know. I mean, you you probably line up with your best running play in that scenario. So I'm not going to lose sleep over that.
1: No, and again, again, very nitpicky. Uh, Travis finished the game 23 for 37. So there were 14 incompletions. And unlike other games where we would say that the receiver dropped the ball three or four times or, you know, he threw three or four balls away, uh, Tommy, particularly in the first quarter, there were three or four passes that Jordan made that were not well thrown it, you know, it's almost like it took him a while to get warmed up or, or, or get, you know, the proverbial awakened. Uh, that's what, that's what, uh, I, I would, uh, would want to see uh, him take ownership of and I'm sure he will and, and, and do a better job because, you know, he completed 75% of his passes last week. Okay. I haven't divided uh, 23 by 37, uh, but, but, you know, it's something less than 75%. Uh, and it, it was just noticeable. Now, why is it noticeable? Because we have such confidence in what he can do, and we're holding him to such a high standard. I'm al- almost, uh, you know, it's almost a backhanded compliment for me to even suggest that he needs to focus uh, because he's certainly capable and certainly will. But it just seemed a little out of rhythm. It just seemed a little mistaken. They got it corrected. Um, But, you know, if you want to play at the highest level, if you want to do what Coach Norvell wants done, there's still learning opportunities and things on tape that this coaching staff can show this team that will be teaching moments.
0: 62%, by the way, is the math on that.
1: It's not, it's
0: not 75. It's not 75. I just worked it out long form for you, Keith. Um, yeah, I agree. He missed on some throws. What's interesting, he actually started the game five for five. But then there were some errant throws. And then later uh, throughout the game, there, there there's probably three. Gene Bell dropped the ball at the sticks. Um, Trey Benson, the angle route. Uh, and you talk about getting lucky. It hits off his hands and it hits three defenders and none of them pick it off. Of course, Florida yep. State yep. didn't score on that drive anyway, so it didn't wipe – uh, anything away, uh, I don't know if you would call the other the the same sequence the the pass out towards the uh, pylon that Trey Benson dropped or that Morelock dropped in that same series, but there might have been three drops. But your your point stands. I, I will say though, uh, so the, the throw you just talked about on the double move that was a great ball from Travis. the The ball where he hit Jaheem Bell down the seam.
1: I mean Bell had.
0: He had not even turned yet. I was in the end zone watching watch. He had not even turned, and then I watched the replay, and that ball is going out, and Bell's got a defender on his shoulder, and he just turns and fades to his right a yard and a half, and there's the ball. I mean, that was a beautiful throw.
1: Well, it, that was one you'd say bumped to the resume reel, and that resume re- reel would be the proverbial he threw him open because if he throws that ball, uh, you know, vertically, strictly vertically, he's got to get it in over the D.B., and, and it'll be a, difficult, a more difficult catch for Bell. He throws it with an inside move, forcing him to go away from the receiver and made it a much easier catch.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's there's some good throws mixed in there. And, you know, he didn't run the ball much today, but he got two touchdowns because just when the team is dialed in on Trey Benson, he just pulls it. And, and what are you going to do? I mean, it's just it feels like that's there a lot. It's like there were scramble yards there today that he opted not to take, but again, Keith, they beat Syracuse thirty-eight to three last year and forty-one to three this year, and Dino Babers had some interesting comments uh, after the game. So related to Keon, uh, oh, I don't have the quote exactly in front of me, but he he basically said God was showing off when he made him, or something like that. <laughs> But, but then he relayed that his quarterback, Garrett Trader, the reason he didn't finish the game is he got food poisoning last night. And uh, not to be graphic here, but in his press conference, Dino said it, it was coming out of both ends, and finally we had to pull him out of the game. Okay. Leads to several questions. They weren't going to beat him even if Garrett Trader was 100% healthy. But last, last year they played him on a bad leg. And at the time I remember thinking, okay, if this is your best option to play a quarterback, not 100%, maybe you should get a good backup quarterback, right? Here here they go with the guys, their starter. I mean, I don't know how close to 100% he was, but he's obviously still the best option. Anyway, it kind of he, he didn't say it in a way to tarnish what Florida State did. He was complimentary of Florida State, but he, he did say that was the case. What it made me wonder, though, is this, Keith, the team eats together. And so if Garrett Schrader had food poisoning at the team meal on Friday night, how come nobody else on the Syracuse team did? That was my question.
1: Or or did he have some kind of midnight snack
0: that nobody knows yeah. about, and they need to tell people not to eat stuff on their own? You
1: yeah. Know, what side of the equation
0: do you come down on? Yeah, I mean, usually with a team, if you got one guy sick, I mean, CFSU against Boston College, and that wasn't food poisoning, but you got half the team sick, so that was the kind of the curious thing there. But um, how about how about this? We never give him any love, but Ryan Fitzgerald makes a forty-eight yarder and continues to excel this year. And, uh, you know, we spent a lot of last year talking about Florida State's red zone struggles, and to be candid, Fitzgerald missed probably five field goals that were 37 yards or in last year, that if he makes them, FSU's red zone percentage is a heck of a lot better than what it was. But he's kicking very well this year.
1: How about this, Tommy? They threw it up in Campbell Stadium if you were, if you happened to catch it. Uh, Fitz has not missed a kick this year
0: at all. Yeah, we only talk about this after a game. We don't talk about it. exactly.
1: And uh, I was looking, uh, there were eight or nine kickoffs. I can't find that on my notes real quick, but every one of them was a touchback.
0: For both teams.
1: Yep. For both teams.
0: So Syracuse's kicker coming in, he was 33 out of 35 kickoffs were touchbacks, so they knew they weren't going to get anything there. Uh, This goes back to last week's game because I asked FSU about this. On the kick return last week, I did get confirmation that they were not uh, – Fitz was not instructed to kick the ball short. Uh, he just mishit a couple. They got on him, and he and he kicked the others deep. But that was not an intentional let's put the ball at the three-yard line kind of thing. Um, that's, that's not part of their philosophy on it. Let me look through my notes and see what else we're missing here.
1: By the way, Tola Philly finished the game uh, just seven yards short of a hundred. Uh, he had seven carries for 93. Benson had 14 for 74, uh, with a long of 19. Uh, CJ got in there a little bit. Uh, cause had one, you mentioned the span, uh, even Jahane Brown, uh, bell rather on the, on the, um, um uh, shot, not Wildcat. shotgun, but the, uh, um, Wildcat. Yeah. Wildcat. Thank you. Uh, there were, I believe nine different players that caught a pass uh, so they they continue to use the talent and, and that that will keep your uh, that will keep your team a lot happier uh, than a, if only two or three people are getting touches every game.
0: Have you seen Tate Ronemakers numbers this year, by the way, Keith? He's like uh, his I, rating I, is like 400 or something.
1: Yeah, Well, he was two for two for 60 yards, including that 44 yard touchdown. Uh, and I don't think he's been sacked yet either. Uh, I have to go back and check the others. But yeah, he's got a pretty high rating.
0: He's five for six on the year because he had one throwaway last week and he's got three touchdowns and a bunch of yards hasn't been (laughs) sacked. He's looking pretty good in his, on his mop up duty. Trying to see if there's anything else that, Oh, here's, here's one, just an observation. And uh, it's almost counterintuitive because Jordan with his feet, uh, it feels like Florida state should be really good in hurry up situations at the end of halves. And there's times when they have been really good and they need to, but, This is today is at least the third time I can think of without going back that Jordan Travis has hurt himself in the last possession before the half. So I don't know if he took a helmet to his hand or what it was. He played the rest of the game against Boston college. It was the last drive before the half. He takes an unnecessary shot there, hurts his shoulder. And two years ago, when we were at Wake Forest, he throws a hail Mary and just stands in there and wears it. And then he couldn't finish that game. And so my point is, we got to figure out something. I don't know if he just gets locked in and holds the ball a tick too long on on those last drives trying to make something happen. But it, it's three, and I may be leaving a timeout where he's gotten dinged on that last possession of a half.
1: No question that he has had some issues. Um, he's we talked about this even after the game last week. He's gotten much better at sliding, much better at getting out of bounds. Uh, so he he is very cognizant of the need to protect himself. Um, and, and you can't argue with two touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, though they were, they were from two, three, five yards out, you know, after, after the, the reads and, and the fakes, um, you know, you still got to account for him, but yeah, when he was headed to the locker room early, you know, I'm sitting up in the varsity club and, and he's running right at me and then takes a little right-hand turn towards Renegade and then takes a left-hand turn into the tunnel. and And he is in obvious pain. You can see it on his face. And, uh, and 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 Dr. Bill is kind of running after him, trying to keep up with him uh, to get in and get a look at him. I, I even texted you. You didn't acknowledge it. Thank you very much. But I even texted you uh, to remind you of that because it did not look good at that point. But he came right back out in the second half, uh, right after halftime and, and re- went re- right back at it. Um, he he's a tough little nut. There's no question. Uh, I just don't want him to have to prove that he's a tough little nut much more.
0: lest you think I'm ignoring your texts. I I don't exactly get great service in the stadium. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, once the crowd empties out, all of a sudden, ding, 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 there's all my texts. So by the time I saw yours and the game was pretty much over, I didn't think I needed to reply. Uh, Thanks for the update. But thank you for the update. I appreciate it. You you don't
1: ever need to reply, Mr. Block. I'm just trying to help out. (laughs)
0: All right. So – I don't, I don't know there's much else to dissect here master mono punted well um you know four punts three inside the 20 he's he's been splendid all year
1: no question I think the one thing and we'll talk about this more on our Wednesday show but the one thing we need to do a little homework on and spend a little more time on uh it, it's starting to get a little traction uh, but this thing about ACC could end up with three undefeated teams. One of which is Florida state and Florida state would not go to the ACC championship game because of the way the tiebreak breakers work. Uh, so we'll, we'll do a little homework on that. We'll just say that's a little preview. Uh, maybe somebody loses as we're taping this on Saturday evening. There's a couple of uh, later games, maybe somebody loses, uh, or something else happens. Uh, but, um, you know, all of us were just cheering and so happy that the divisions have been done away with. And and hopefully Florida State doesn't get bit in, in the first year in which the divisions have gone away with.
0: Yeah, we don't. It, it's too early in the conference season to really go too deeply into that, Keith. So we'll save it for Wednesday, especially we don't know the Louisville and the North Carolina results as we're talking. Um, there is a scenario where some teams ahead of Florida state nationally could lose and FSU could be say, say they're number three nationally, because you still have Georgia and Michigan unbeaten number three nationally, but they don't make the ACC championship game. So now does the playoff committee take FSU that didn't win a championship or do they take the winner of the ACC championship game? I don't really want to go down that road right now. It's always been a beauty contest and I've always hated that part, but your, your point is true. Going into play against Syracuse, if the season ended before games kicked this weekend, of the three unbeaten teams in the ACC, Florida State would have been the one shut out of the ACC championship game. That is a true statement based on opponents' one loss record. But again, everybody has four or five league games left. So we'll see.
1: I want to go back to the more important comment you made. Because it's a beauty contest, you nor I have ever liked it because we would never win a beauty contest.
0: Well, that's why we do radio and podcast, Keith. We know we know our lot in life. <laughs> All right. We're finished, folks. We will uh, be back with our regular show on Wednesday, 41 to 3. Enjoy it. That'll do it for Front Row Knowles.